Nope. I'm just doing the singing thing. There's a section in the set where I do, I get the guys uh, leave the stage after we finish through being cool, and I do a section of acoustic songs for this these shows. And then I uh, put the guitar down, and we do another half of a set with just singing. And it's, it's super fun. How long has this just singing situation been going um, on? For a, about almost two years now. Okay. I've been doing that. What happened? Well, I just found myself wanting to connect with the words while I was singing, and I didn't want to split my brain anymore between like properly playing guitar, hitting all, remembering all the words, you know, not messing up. And I just wanted to be able to connect with the actual like emotion of the song. And so if I'm just leaning into the words and singing, I can do that a lot easier. Sort of sing from my heart. Because you're talking about this like 20 year old record, right? Which obviously, like, I assume after, you know, two decades of playing it, it's probably pretty, the lyrics are probably pretty ingrained in your yeah. brain at this point you probably well not memory. for me i have a, I, there's so many songs that i i have a really hard time remembering like keeping all the words in my head for, i i'm like notorious for forgetting words all the time so i mean i don't think it was as much wanting to, being afraid to forget the words that i was worried about i just wanted to connect with the words but what's really cool is that since i can connect with the words when i'm really thinking about what the words are saying i find that i connect to the songs even if they're 20 years old more now than I did back then. What does that mean exactly, connecting with the words? How is that different than just singing a song on stage? Um, well, there's you could kind of be on autopilot or even like like if I'm splitting my brain between playing guitar and singing, I'm sort of occupying two sides of my head. And I'm not fully thinking about just the words. I'm also thinking about, you know, the chords I have to play, the rhythm of the guitar and everything. So when I'm just, can just zero in on the, on the words, I'm like directly connected to the emotion of the song. So it's almost like you could say, I love you to somebody Mm -hmm. just sort of going through the motions, or you could say, I love you. You ever like done that or almost done that on the phone with somebody who you don't love, who you just like, I, yeah, you, yeah, you're as almost, like, as, almost sometimes like with like a friend, you know, yeah. I, I'm like, love you. What jar have yeah. I opened? Right, right. A good one. Yeah. A love jar. I guess so. I guess yeah, a jar worse. of love. A jar of love. <laughs> there are worse things you could put <laughs> yeah, in a jar. Exactly. I suppose this is the same with any job where you have been kind of on autopilot. I mean, not, not me. I think the, the, Maybe that's the wrong phrase, but it's like when you have to, it's like spinning plates or juggling or something. You're just using so much of your brain that you can't pay attention to every last tiny little detail of what you do. So it's like paying attention. It's like watching three movies at once or something. And one of them is in the reflection of a mirror. You know, you're just, you can't like be fully present with the entire thing that you're doing. So I just like to be that single pointed focus. Um, yeah, it's always been fun for me. Even if I am, for the years that I was playing guitar mm-hmm. and singing, I really loved um, that challenge of having to like walk that balance and not fall off and forget the words or mess up the guitar. I liked that having to dedicate my focus to that. But then I found that I really wanted to, when I was on stage, feel the songs instead of just like, this um, mechanical uh, exercise, which was also satisfying as, as an artist and as a performer. That was extremely satisfying. I just found myself longing to be in the heart of the song. Again, like any other job, there are nights when, you know, for whatever reason, whatever kind of personal baggage you're bringing into that you maybe don't want to be on stage, you know, that you do kind of feel like you're going through the motions. I think there are times for any performer where you have to just, um, you have to put on the... Uh, Put on the face, you know, mm. for the f- because you're so happy people are there. 
But yeah, there are, of course, there are times in anybody's life, like let's say you have a relative that passes away, but you have to go play the show. Of course that happens. Yeah, or even, you know, you just like slept like shit the night before or, you know, maybe... That's rare. I really try to take care of myself. Yeah. I take it seriously. You're drinking water right now. That's right. San Pellegrino. Has, that always, has it always been the case? Have you, no, uh, I've gone through the years of being going headfirst into the all the rock and roll pitfalls and, you know, gone down the rabbit hole and... You know, after years and years and years of that, it takes a toll. I think as you get older, too, you just got to take better care of yourself. Obviously, not everybody comes to that realization. That's true. Especially That's people true. in bands. That's very true. It's what, easy to get um, pulled into that lifestyle. Yeah. What was the breaking point for you? It was never... My drinking was never a problem for me. It was a problem for others. And yeah. so because I care about other people and I'm not, you know, just like in my own world, I live in the world with other people and I care about them and I want... To make them happy, I did it for everybody else. Otherwise, I'd be six beers deep by yeah. now. Are you totally dry at this point, or you're just kind of scared? I'd say ninety percent. I'm okay. le- trying to learn how to drink like a gentleman. As you're they sure, say. there's a milestone right now with this this record. You're playing it in, in, in its entirety. Is that right? Yeah. Do you connect in the same way with a twenty year old song that you did when you wrote it? Actually, what's amazing is that I connect to the songs more now than mm-hmm. I did back then. The songs become richer and more deep to me as I get get older and that's partially why it's so rewarding to be able to just focus on the lyrics it's amazing to me that 20 years later after playing these songs a thousand times they get deeper and more interesting and I find hidden meanings in that that I didn't know what's an example of that um there are things that I wouldn't even want to share because it's so (laughs) intimate for me at the time of writing you didn't it, it it meant something different. It meant yeah. it meant exactly what it meant as I wrote it, and yeah. twenty years later, it means something more. And and there's a new facet that I didn't know there was another side of the gem. You never had any problem putting yourself out there. No, like. uh, strangely, because I'm typical. I'm pretty shy person. It's just that I love art so much. I love making songs and it was just this miracle that happened that people wanted to hear what I wanted to do and so I feel so lucky it's such a gift you know to get to do this and so um I work so hard to get good at putting myself out there so that I can do it without being afraid you know I work really hard so I can be fearless as fearless as possible because I am typically like a self-conscious you know pretty pretty um nervous like social person you know it takes something to assume or imagine that people are going to want to hear this deeply personal thing about you. You know, maybe maybe some of that comes out of sort of starting when you're 17, right? <laughs> yeah, like- there was sort of this self, uh, this unself conscious aspect of the early early writing, and um, but right away, like on the even the second record or third record, I you know start in the lyrics saying like, "You want to know who I really am? Well, so do I." You know, so I st- very early on, people started listening to Saves the Day. So right away, you st- after the first demo tape, you're aware that people are going to hear it. You know, so there's the two sides of performing. Yeah. You lose yourself in it, and you know you're being watched. This is sort of the, the double-edged sort of the punk thing of being earnest, but also being afraid of being too earnest, you know? Of- I'm not. No. I'm, no, not at all. Yeah, I'm not afraid of being too earnest at all. I mean, that's kind of like the point, you know, and I really, for me, it's been a personal journey of learning about myself. And the music is a way that I get to understand my experience of being a human being. It's, it's, it's tough and it's, it's hard to know 
what life is and what what you're feeling. It's your feelings are so immense that it's hard to put words on them at all. But the lyrics, the poetry, the lyrics has been an incredible tool to help me understand this strange trip mm. being a human. And I get to do it through art, which is so incredibly satisfying. I always say that I'm happy that when I was a teenager that Twitter wasn't around. You know? I'm so glad. Oh my God, man. I never would have been able to get up there. Like if I had no, cause even like in yeah. the early days, this is before the internet. Like I remember when message boards started sure. happening and uh, I read it one time I went on a saves the day message board when after our very first tour, after I graduated <laughs> high school and never again since. What I did don't, you see that terrified you so much? Uh, somebody in Indianapolis said, I'm going to go as Saves the Day for Halloween and I'm just going to be a giant zit. <laughs> it's not funny all these no, years it's later. fucking cruel. Monsters. I guess what I was getting at from, from my standpoint of, of the social thing is like, I'm glad that there wasn't that thing out there where I felt the need to sort of say, unfiltered, like put myself on the internet, right? Well, that's internet. That's not art. Like, yeah. I don't feel the need to say shit on Twitter. I don't do anything on Twitter except share songs and like stuff about the band and whatnot. Like, I'm not sharing my inner thoughts. I think that's the narcissistic society that we live in. It's disturbing and sickening to me. Again, looking back and having this opportunity to re-examine stuff that you're, that you felt like you put too much of yourself out there? No, never. There are things that people have misinterpreted that sure. they, they mix up my intent. They don't know my intention. And so when I find out that they think the song means something that I didn't intend, that's a strange thing for me. But thank God I know where I was coming from the whole time. And it was, you know, I don't feel bad about it. That's the, the beauty of it, though. It's nice that people are able to sort of interpret it and yeah, apply it cool. to their own lives. It's cool. It's cool. And thank God I know where I was coming from. So it's it's theirs to do with what they should, what they choose or what they think the song is. It's theirs now. I know what it is to me. And I think it's really cool that people can make it what whatever it is for themselves and connect to it in their own way. And I, I love that about art. You don't feel the need to go and kind of to correct them or to nudge people in no, the other direction? No, unless it's... I mean, I've been asked a lot recently about some of the lyrics that people think are misogynistic. And yeah. I have to say, those are, that was just a vehicle for like frustrated feelings that had nothing to do with any actual human being, uh, least of all any um, females in my life who I only have reverence and respect for. I was raised by a very strong, strong woman. And... Uh, so if when I had these writing assignments at NYU and you had to create a vignette for a feeling to live in on a on a stage in your poem and you know and so you write these words to get a feeling out but they're not connected to an actual person so if i hear somebody thinks that it's something negative i will correct that but um i'm not going to try to if somebody's connected to the song and they love it and it makes them feel better in their life like i'm not messing with that you could think whatever you wanted it want it to be you know you're interested in letting it sort of live on its own have you have you gotten more or less comfortable with with diving into songs a little bit with it, with explaining them when people ask you questions? Are you it okay? depends? It depends if I can tell when people are on a certain like level of experience in their life and they yeah. need it to mean something that they need it to mean at that time. And I will not. It's very sacred. I don't want to mess with it and say, oh, well, that's actually really about, you know, something else. I'll let them have you know their interpretation of it. But then when there's people that I meet that are on my level mm -hmm. where I can tell I'm talking to somebody that's going through life in the same way that I am, it's kind of exciting and fun to like let them see behind the curtain and I'll tell them exactly what certain lines mean because I know it's going to, you know, be a light bulb moment for them as well. So and I love that. It's kind of it's rare 
And I don't, it's even for friends that are also artists, like sometimes I don't even want to share the full truth because there's a certain magic to how art affects you. You, you mean your level from the standpoint of just going through what you just are, what I've gone going through? through. At, yeah, okay. like not like higher or lower, just like the experiences I have had and like who, how I respond to life. When you meet somebody that's like a kindred spirit and they re- respond to life, they live life the same way or on the same wavelength. You know, I'll, I like talking to people about like the deeper meanings, the personal meanings. The idea of using music as catharsis, I think, is, is maybe become a bit of a cliche, but it does sound like that you that this is this tool that you've had in your toolbox the yeah. entire time to yeah. to process things through. Exactly. It's like a, it's the way I get through life and it has been like my closest friend. I don't need anything else besides that. I'm like happy with just that. I can live in this relationship with my songs and the words and other music, just listening to other music like for the rest of my life and I would never be lonely. How close is it though? You know, is it a situation where you're dealing with some, you know, bad thing in your life and you need to run home and start writing a song about it? No, it's not like a journal thing. It's usually like these larger than these larger issues that linger and, you know, for like six months or a year or something, you have something happening in your life, like a family relationship or, or, or something at work or something in the world that's sort of bothering you or even you're mystified by or excited by. Those bigger emotions that sort of hang like clouds for a long time wind up becoming clouds of thoughts that get funneled into these lyrics. And, you know, and so let's say I'm thinking about the strange um, reality of life itself for a year and a half, like that's going to definitely get into a song. Let's take the last record, for example, you know, now that you've got some distance and you look at it, what is the overarching thing there? You know, what, what, right. um, so what's that the cloud, that, that, like that feeling that got expressed in the album was basically the being ref- reflecting on these 20 years of being in saves a day and what an amazing strange gift and just what a long strange trip you know and how grateful i am and how exciting it is and like i just love it and i wrote it i wrote some, a record about joy because the world at that time and currently uh was really full of the opposite yeah. it was and people were scared and and i thought i i've already written about all of that. I've already I've already said how I feel about the world, and uh, some of it is really dark and t- really hard to listen to. So I consciously wrote about something that I love. I mean, is that a way of of being? I don't know if political is the right word, but almost being political without being political absolutely one hundred percent. And if you really read between the lines on the lyrics, it's political. I'm ha- there's there's a definite statement. Um, but then you, I just like to let the art speak for itself and I don't want to clobber anybody over the head with it. I mean, it's been a part of your life for so long, but is there kind of, uh, are you able to step back and, and appreciate the kind of surreality of yeah. being able to do what you're doing? For yeah, a man, that's exactly yeah. it. The surreal, the surreal aspect of this dream. It still feels that way after, you know, it more feels than 20 years. more and more and more like that. We played the show last night in, in Sayreville, Starland Ballroom in New Jersey, 10 miles, 10 minutes away from where we recorded through Being Cool. On the day the album came out, 20 years to the day, sold out show, everybody's having the time of their life. And I, I was on cloud nine. I was just, it, it was an actual, it was like lucid dreaming. How many people in the world are still after 20 years doing what they were doing when they were 17. Yeah, it's in, and I feel grateful. I also feel a tremendous amount of responsibility, you know, toward it. Like being so lucky, 
I take it seriously because I know how lucky I am. And so I work hard and I, I maintain a healthy perspective, you know, consciously. I mean, there must have been points, though, where it didn't feel, you know, where, where maybe you were considering, you know, not necessarily going forward with it, you know, uh, years or, or days where, you know. I think it, there's times when it's hard to just walk out the door, you know, just being alive is hard. So absolutely. But that's part of like consciously having a big enough a view scope of life and what what it is and how lucky you are you know to know okay i'm gonna get up and do this i'm gonna do my job i'm grateful i'm glad to be alive i'm I'm lucky are there times when the music doesn't come as easily i mean obviously you're very prolific and no i'm so lucky i mean that's one of the things that i feel most grateful for and it's one of i'm like humbled by it because the ideas come you know and i i take that more seriously than anything else in in terms of being um, an artist is that the ideas come on their own that you know and so i'm like serving them and i you know i i can't i will i like if i don't have a a device around yeah. to, to record a voice memo should an idea arise or a thought pop into my head or a musical a melody uh i would like i would feel anxious if i didn't so i constantly even before iphones it's so easy for the voice sure i would have one of these gadgets one of these yeah. like mp3 recorders that i could fit in my back pocket um so that i would never forget uh an idea quincy jones has this great quote where he says you gotta have that pad of paper by your bed because if the muses come at three in the morning you're not and you don't get up to write yeah. it down they're gonna go give it to someone else that's the satisfaction thing, right? That's the yeah, um, yeah. He wakes up middle and night. Remember exactly. Writes and it down. So I'll, I'll like wake up out of a dream and kind of like just want to turn over and go back to sleep, but I'll hear a melody yeah. in my head and I will drag myself out of bed and do it and sing it because I'm like, oh god, where did that come from? We all love those stories, but I feel like it also like it puts a lot of pressure on on creative people to have things flow through you effortlessly. When well, it doesn't, the days the it doesn't. The thing is that there's no it. They come on their own. Yeah. So the pressure is to to do the work to uh, make sure you're you're paying attention and ready to you know dedicate some time to getting that idea down like it's nature itself that's flowing is is there a correlation between the quality of the product and how easily it came i think absolutely i think when people try to force it it's man-made and when it comes on its own it's something else again looking back at all the records over the years what what can you point to as something that came particularly easy all of it really uh-huh yeah Nothing was more it's like been uh, like playing with toys, and it's it's the greatest fun. Like I'm the most thankful that it has been the most fun, and it's like having a relationship with this thing that I can't see. So it's extremely mystical, just also surreal. You do still feel the need though to shake things up a little bit. You know, I was reading an interview with you about the last record, and you mentioned this Thelonious Monk idea of um, oh, right, almost spontaneous right. yeah, music Yeah, that was playing. fun. That was fun. That's like a new technique to try. Yeah. You know, it's like if you were, if when I was a young guitar player and I only knew four chords, it was so exciting when I learned those next 12 chords, you know, and this one was like, I've already made a thousand records or, you know, whatever. Um, so why don't we try this one like a little bit more by the seat of our pants and just see what happens. So can you describe that process a little bit? So um, basically this time we all went to Nashville and I had the demos, uh, you know, I brought the demos with me and we listened to them in the studio, unpacking the songs 
all together. And we spent a mi- not that long uh, during pre-production just learning the songs right there and then, and then we recorded them. Instead of spending months and months and months leading up to the recording, doing pr- uh, demos and pre- doing pre-production as a full band, we just were like, let's just go to Nashville, let's book the time, Let's learn the songs and record them right there. You would say then that it was a successful experiment? It was fun as hell. I think the next time I'd like to, you know, do a slightly different approach, but it was really fun. And I think the energy of the record is exciting in a way because the songs were fresh to us as we were learning them and recording them. It's also, you know, in terms of subject matter, also important to keep it sonically upbeat because of everything else that's going on in the world right now. Yeah, well, I like that kind of music. And I mean, I've written a lot of like the more minor progressions and whatnot, but I feel good. And so since I feel good, you know, despite the world, I feel good. Um, That's what comes out. You know, there's no separation between me and the art. It's just how I feel. So, um, that's just a byproduct of, you know, being in a good place. And Has songwriting always been solitary for you? Yeah. There's a project I do with my friend Max from the band Say Anything. Do you know them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do a band called Two Tongues together, and that is uh, consciously 50-50. So that's like the idea of the project is, hey, I'll start a song and you finish it. And then Max will start a song and I finish it. And we do the lyrics together. We share vocals. We split guitar duties. And that's really fun. But you know when it's like says today is like this, this uh, it's just so close to my 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 heart, and I'm I'm so lucky to get to do it with these musicians that are like my brothers, and I like I like look up to them. So I feel so lucky to get to bring these songs to life with my best friends that are musicians that I admire, respect, and like I can't believe I get to play with them. Does the song ever come out significantly different once it passes through the band? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, there would be, like, the campfire version, if I were to play it for you on acoustic mm-hmm. guitar, before we, you know, brought, brought it to life as a band. And then afterwards, when Arun and Rod and Dennis have all, you know, done their thing to it, and it's just so much cooler. It's so much more than I could have done on my own, and that's why I love being in a band. Do you feel that earlier on, you know, when, when you were... Sp- really kind of figuring out what what it was to be in a band that there was some friction with this idea of you kind of going off and bringing stuff it to was everybody. harder for the younger musicians yeah. when we were younger it was a lot harder and i don't know where that comes from but uh i don't know why you'd be like bummed that there's like you got have a guy in your band that's like pretty good at songwriting yeah <laughs> everybody who wants to be creative wants to be creative right? yeah and there's different types like yeah. i'm like a songwriter guy arun is like an amazing guitar player rodrigo's an amazing bass player so i value what they do and then what i do is just a piece of that yeah i think people in bands generally especially when they're starting out want things to be a little more democratic but the vast majority of people i've ever spoken to who have been in a band for an extended period of time will tell you that like to some degree it kind of has to be run like a dictatorship there is there is that and i try i'm just i try to be you know chill about (laughs) you're a chill you're a chill dictator (laughs) yeah i try to be a pretty chill dictator no no but seriously i mean there's bands like um pearl jam and i think that's like very very much like creatively collaborative as they're coming up with the actual ideas. And then you'll have something like Oasis, like most of the ideas are coming from this one guy, but then they bring it to life as a band. Yeah, a little bit of friction in that second example, though. Yeah, there's the, bro- there's the brotherly thing. There's yeah. the sibling rivalry there. You know, again, this idea of like kind of jokingly, but kind of not about being a chilled leader that you've gotten better about that aspect. Yes, I have. I've got, and I'm really grateful that I got to learn with all these great musicians along the way and learning these lessons 
lessons with people that I respect and, you know, treated me with care as well, you know, as I was learning the ropes. And for example, when I was younger and I really wanted a guitar, a guitar part to be a certain way, I didn't know to just say, hey, you know what, can we just do it like this? You know, there would be this long, you know, hours long or days long back and forth. Well, no, I want it like this. And then, well, okay, well, let's try it like that. And then you hear it and then everybody can tell when an idea is, is good. When you listen to it, it's either makes you excited or it's not that good. So we go through a lot of the back and forth. Let's try it out. I learned a technique a long, long time ago. It's best to just try everything. So that way nobody resents the fact that you didn't try a certain idea. Now I have these, the players like Rod and Arun who've been in the band over 10 years. They're just so good that everything they do, I love. Do you consider yourself an introvert? I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle, but leaning more toward introverted. I'm the kind of person who like... I'll go to a party and I won't be able to talk to people I don't That's know. That's me, for sure. That's the whole through being cool yeah. album artwork. Like yeah. you're, we're at a party and we don't really want to be there. We don't really know what to do. If you look through the layout, it's all every one of us is like kind of awkwardly standing there while the party's going on around us. So, and I still feel that way. The hard thing that I've had to come to grips with myself and find a way to articulate to other people, you know, like if I'm dating somebody, for example, is how I'm able to get on a microphone and talk to a stranger or like go on a TV right, show or right. something. Yeah. Like why do I, why yeah. do I feel comfortable going up on stage and singing when in real life? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's right. So like, this is just your, this is like what you're really good at. You know, this is what is comfortable and natural for you. It makes it socially difficult to interact with people who know what you do for a living. There's a funny thing. I forget where it was. There's a funny thing. Maybe SNL recently did um, this skit where it was like dads who are having a hard time talking to their teenage sons. Yeah. And (laughs) just by the starter podcast, podcast set up and you and it's like the dad and they're sitting across yeah. the table like eating yeah. cereal and the dad's like so son yeah. um today was your first day at school why don't you tell me about that and they they get to talk to each other in a podcast and it works like a charm it's like really natural i thought that was really funny somebody articulated the idea of introversion to me pretty well i had him on the show and he told me he was an introvert and i was very surprised by this revelation again because yeah. he's somebody who can like literally just he, like riff off the top of his That's, head for it an is hour. really interesting maybe it's like we have something to talk we know we have like a purpose of what we're talking about i think and- that's part of it but what he got at that made that like really you know it was just kind of one of those like hallelujah moments for me was this idea of needing to recharge huh of yeah i can get up on stage and i can sing a song but then like i'm gonna like Right. I night. need to spend a lot of time by myself. Yeah. I like that. That that makes sense to me too. The recharging in the in the the uh, fortress of solitude, <laughs> which is like where where do you find that fortress when you're on tour? You can't on. Well, I guess you could retreat to your bunk if you got a vehicle yeah. with bunks, but or you could take a walk. You know, but it's very hard. That yeah, since the early days of touring, that was one of the things that was like most interesting about touring. You're with people for 24 hours a day yeah. for months at a time, so it's like you get uh, you get roommates like um, without really like checking <laughs> to see if you want to spend the 24 hours a day, and then suddenly you're all living together. And that's where a lot of there's been people that have come and gone and saves the day because yeah. you wind up on the road and you're like, oh, I don't really like spending time with you. I was talking to a friend uh, who is planning to move in with her boyfriend. And I was like, that is that's the easiest way to get to know See to if know if you want to be in a yeah. relationship with yeah, somebody totally. to live with them. Absolutely. I don't know how there's any situation where 
people being in a band, like, I don't know how any bands stay together, to be honest. It's super hard. I mean, saves the day. There's been, like, over 20 people in the yeah. band, you know? But it took a long time to find, like, Rod Arun and Dennis, like, these guys that I, I love as people. I admire them as musicians. I love just playing with them. And that's, it's the perfect fit. You know, it took, took a long time to get to that point. But as soon as it did, then it's no need to... We don't need to change this at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you feel like this is this is it pretty much, oh, barring any sort of oh, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I was reading something today. That I, I was like, I was like, oh man, I wish like I had that idea in my life earlier. Do you know what the ship of Theseus is? Are you familiar with that concept? No. You know, as the name implies, it's a it's a ancient Greek concept, and it's this philosophical question about you know basically like the short version of it is. They had the ship and, you know, it's, they needed to like rebuild it piece by piece. Things broke down by the end of the journey. It doesn't have any of the same pieces that it started with. Oh, wow. Is it the same ship? Huh? That's wild. And apparently this is apocryphal, but I'm sure that you've heard the concept that human, the human body regenerates itself. Every seven, every seven seven years. years. Yeah. Like what is the essence? Yeah. What's the, what's the identity there? I mean, obviously you are a thing that has been and saves the day since the beginning. But beyond just a band that I'm in, what what is what's the huh. essence? That's cool. Well, the fans come into play there too because it's this shared experience. Yeah, it's the songs, it's the people playing them, and it's the people that appreciate them. And all together, it's larger than just the sum of its parts. What is your relationship with the fans at this point? Again, obviously, you learned your lesson pretty early on not to read the comments. I don't read the comments, but generally, people that come to the shows like love the music. So it's this, it's like a shared catharsis. Yeah. You know, it's very um, communal. It feels like family. It feels like extended family or long lost friends. And it's like, oh my god, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you. I think it's got to be tough, though, because, you know, like one of the things that you feel the need to do as an artist is, you know, to continue to switch things up. I don't feel the need to do that, but it happens just out of like wanting to try something uh, new or like learn a new chord or something or you get just excited about new new things or gosh, I've written a thousand, you know, short, normal normally structured pop songs let's try a song that's like 20 minutes long you know just for fun that's an actual example yeah was that a successful experiment yeah i think it turned out cool this song called 29 at the end of the new new album nine uh is seven songs in one we tried it before on on daybreak that was the first album that rodrigo and arun and i had made together the very first song daybreak is 11 minutes long and that was so much fun to do i'm such a big fan of the second half of abbey road abbey road in general yeah, mean mr mustard and, yeah i love yeah. that it's like 17 minutes of music yeah. and so and so it was so fun to do daybreak and this time for some reason i think i was listening to abbey road a lot and just thought gosh it'd be so fun to do like a really long song it sounds like most of the evolution that you you know you can point to of the band musically is the musical element. Do you feel like the same sort of evolution has happened on the lyric side as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's both sides, the music, the lyrics and being a performer, learning to sing better and better and better and becoming a better guitar player. The lyrics are, I mean, it's hard to pick what's my favorite aspect of getting to do all this, but I would probably say the words, but then right as I say that, I go, no, I love the structure. Yeah. I love structure. You know, I love melodies. I love chords. I love riffs. Beyond, I guess, just getting better through practice, how has the writing changed 
in terms of the lyrics? Um, one thing I, I tried recently on a, a couple albums ago, I tried uh, a new thing where I, I wanted to still say every last thing that I felt, and I have both, you know, I have the highs and the lows. I've got good feelings and bad feelings. But You're I a human wanted, being who yeah, experiences yeah. things. Yeah. I wanted to be able to say, like, talk about the tougher side of things, the harder yeah. experiences, without it necessarily using words that would trigger that same emotion in the listener. So a very sh- small example of that is that, um, when you hear the word but. You know, you know I, love, I love you, but... You know, you got to do this. If you change that to and, I love you, and, you know, I'd love if you could try this differently, you know? It just feels better. You feel it emotionally. Like, but is a minor chord, and is a major chord, if you can follow that analogy. Yeah. And so on the record, the self-titled record, saves the, called Saves the Day, obviously, um, I tried to write an entire record about any, any last subject I could think of that was something tough to experience in life as a human, but write about it in a way that was almost, that never dragged you into that actual feeling. And that was really fun. It almost sounds like couples therapy. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, yeah. I, and I've, I've done a lot of therapy. Yeah. So, and it is really kind of almost learning. You have to retrain your inner voice. You know, you, like when you're learning about yourself, you know, wow, I understand why I feel this way because I went through this instead of why do I feel this way? So yeah, maybe that a lot of the, like that yeah. the therapy and learning, learning how to process in a more positive way went into that. I'm sure it did. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I said couples therapy specifically because it's sort of like expressing your emotions in a way that isn't going to make the other person immediately huh, shut down. That's actually interesting because the Saves the Day album is, I wrote it for my wife at the time. Um, I, the entire album is like a sonic love letter. And I wanted to write about any last thing that she could think of or we could think of that would be like tough, like even, you know, paying the bills when it's hard. But like write about it in a way that was like, it's okay. We can do this together. We're okay. Getting back to this idea from the beginning of wanting to experience this, wanting to experience the songs more, is that difficult when it's something like, you know, you said this woman who used to be my wife is it difficult to experience that again yeah on stage? it is it's really hard I'll, i cry you know yeah. I, I well up with emotion i'm really emo super emo <laughs> i wear shades a lot so yeah. that i can like cry if i need to you know and not like infect anybody's space like yeah. seeing like a grown man like you know like it's it's normal but it makes people uncomfortable so sure. yeah it's really tough i mean even songs you know that i wrote when i was a teenager can make me cry now. Again, I think I think that's why a lot of people ask this this sort of question about re-experiencing a song you wrote when you're 17 is like, you know, sure there are good things about being 17, but I don't that's not a place that I want to go back to. Oh, I don't mind. I I look at the entire I'm so lucky to have yeah. had that that guy, that that 17-year-old me that was brave enough to go through all this stuff. Like I wouldn't want to go through that again. He did, you know? Like I love him. I'm so grateful for him. Like I I care about that guy. You know, and I'm, I'm like almost, I'm surprised sometimes at like what was written, you know, and like it, like things like that's how it's the lyrics now will mean more to me now. And it almost feels like, wow, like I got through that, through these words and, um, I just like, it makes me feel this like tender feeling toward my younger self. I don't think we give 17 year olds enough credit for, you know, how so deep hard. and smart they are. And, so hard. And that they can survive. Yeah. That. Do you feel that having a, a kid changed your communication skills? Absolutely. And that the, um, that self-titled record, I think was definitely 
a reflection of wanting to try to frame the experience of life in a comfortable way for my yeah. daughter. The, even she inspired one of the lyrics, one of the song titles, "Ring Pop," <laughs> on that record, um, because she was outside my studio one day, going around and around on this little um, like razor um, scooter yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. they are, and she had a ring pop. And it was just this beautiful scene of her just going around and around and around and around. And I just love that image of her with the ring pop. And I thought, I'm going to write a song called Ring Pop. So she's a teenager now. Does she at all think what you do is cool? She thinks it's cool, but it's one of those things where, you know, kids are always just like, okay, dad. You know what I mean? Like, it's just natural. And I get that. But when she comes to the shows and she sees everybody singing along, she's like, oh, that was cool. You know, but she listens to like Billie Eilish and stuff. She's, yeah, you know, they're just, sure. Her, they're doing their own thing. Yeah, of course. Her friends think I'm more cool than she does. You know, and her friends' parents will be like, yeah. "Wow, you know, this is neat." Is that a sort of a way by proxy to kind of get in touch with that 15, 13 year old side yeah, of yourself? Myself, yeah, I do have to I have to put myself in my own yeah. shoes back then all the time to remember, like, oh, how did I feel when I was this age? And as soon as I do, I think, oh, of course she wants to just be in her room or yeah. whatever, you know, talk to her friends. You and still feel that way a little bit. I, it I, I, now, like. I, now I want, you know, I, I, yeah. I used to love taking her to the movies and like now she just wants me to drop her off, you know, and she goes in with her friends. And I think that's awesome because that's how, that's was what was fun for me when I was that age. So I'm really supportive of her journey, you know, and it's health, it's healthy to get to, you know, put that in perspective as well. Obviously you don't have any difficulty being inspired, but do you feel like you need to kind of set parameters and treat it like a job in order to get? Yeah, I do. Done? I yeah. treat it like a job. Yeah, yeah, and that, that and that becomes incredibly rewarding because if you show up to do the work, you know, you get surprised by what comes through. Um, there was a, uh, an experience like years and years ago, maybe like two thousand three, two thousand four, where I was really, really depressed and I didn't like anything that I was writing, and that and so I, I had to kind of work through that. Mm. And um, the way I did it was that I forced myself to write songs, even if I didn't like it. Let's say I was writing a song, I liked the verse and the chorus, but I got to the bridge and I thought it was garbage. Instead of stopping and throwing it away, I forced myself to finish it, and then I forced myself to record it, and I forced myself to write lyrics to it, even if I didn't like it. And by doing that for 30 days straight, sure enough, after a month, I started to surprise myself Mm. with ideas that were just so cool to me that I wouldn't have gotten to if I'd stopped at that, that, that creative critical voice, you know, saying this sucks. I don't like this. You know, I just worked through that. And then the faucet just started to flow. Was there anything from that particularly dark time that made it through? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, like I, I did that for three months straight as my like therapy to yeah. get better, to get better like mentally, emotionally. Three months straight every day, I wound up with 86 songs by the end of it. <laughs> and that phase, that was what uh, was like the seed for this three album arc of uh, records that we made, which is the, in my uh it's the Saves the Day trilogy. Yeah. Um, to me, it's this three three albums of thirty seven songs that all go together, and there are songs from that eighty six that batch of eighty six songs that are on all three of those records. Even though the, the records were made stretched out over years, that three month period where I was bringing myself back to like life through the process of writing, treating it like my job, was so rewarding, and then became part of uh, the Saves the Day 
discography, which is really cool. It sounds like being an editor is a big part of your job. Oh, I love what goes in. That's that's another part that's so fun. I mean, so fun. But just from the standpoint of deciding like what actually goes on a record. Yeah, that might be one of my favorite parts. Like I love all. It's like I feel like the luckiest dude in the world. That's one of my favorite favorite parts is like I'll write 40 songs yeah. and figuring out what are the 12 songs that are going to be the next you're like making your own mixtape yes exactly yeah. they call it killing your darlings oh that's cool yeah I have no um I have no like uh, I'm ruthless yeah <laughs> you know but I record all of them so that they're for posterity they're somewhere if I go find it you know six years from now and now I do like that bridge that yeah. I slashed after the fact, when I got to the editing phase, well, okay, great. Now I have a new seed of a song. I'll write a, write a new song around that. So you go back and revisit stuff? Yeah, I will occasionally. Yeah. I mean, if I like, typically, if I'm in the, the phase where I'm like bringing songs to life in order to start thinking about a record, I'm like going through old voice memos and stuff and, and, and sifting through what's ex- what feels exciting today to work on. So I'll go, sometimes I'll go you know, years back and just check out some of the ideas that I, you know, glossed over. Are you there with number 10? I'm getting there. I think there's already way too much material. (laughs) So I'm really psyched to dive in. There you go. That was Chris Gonley of Saves the Day. Their latest record, Nine, is out now on Equal Vision Records. Thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to you, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify and YouTube now. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rwellcast.tumblr.com. If you have any feedback, it's rwellcast at gmail.com. That's about all we got for this week, but I should mention... uh, as uh, we and everybody else are basically stuck at home right now doing some work to get some live videos up on YouTube. So if you're interested in that, please follow our YouTube page, subscribe over there, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting up uh, at least once a week with some uh, comedians and some performances from musicians, things like that, stuff to keep you busy while you're in quarantine. Uh, Thanks a bunch, and I will catch you just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. 